Hello and welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is episode 151 and my name is Roger and with me, as always, is my co-host... Declan Kitchener. Hello! <laughs> here he is, here he is. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing fine, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. It feels nice. It feels like closure because today we're discussing our 13th and 14th songs from in February. We wrote 14 songs each. So we're finally coming to the end of that. Yes. Everyone knows already that I left it quite late. Uh, Just getting these two out was just like, yes, I've done it. I can relax. I don't have to stress until next February. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Little um, behind the curtain. The next episode after this one. We have finished our songs, but we will be talking about a different group of uh, 14 songs each that we wrote last February, February 2022, which we then took from and turned into a collaborative album under the band name Schnookums. Uh, So that's basically what we're going to be talking about next week, right? Yes, it is. And I'm very much looking forward to that. And we might even have a Schnookums related thing uh, to do with some of the songs, not all of them, but some of the songs from this run. Uh, So, we need to hear them all first, and I believe it's your go to go first this time. What have you got for us, Roger? Okay, so this week I have got a song called Whammy, and again, this was... I don't know why, but I've done a lot of country and bluegrass writing this time. I guess it's kind of being in my 30s now. You're in a bit of a country vibe at the moment. What can I say? I love... I love... country. Yeehaw! Well, this first one, like I say, is called Whammy, and it goes like this. Two, one... Somebody put a whammy on me. Baby, I can swear that somebody put a whammy on me. Baby, I can swear that somebody put a whammy on me. 
So that is Roger's 13th song, Whammy. Oh, bops quite nicely, that one. I do quite like that. That's, uh, that is your 13th song out of 14. It's a very simple structure to this one, but it sort of drives it along at that really nice pace and really puts an emphasis on the vocal. Um, was Did it just come out of that rhythm or did it come out of that sort of like uh, the vocal line came first? What, what, what inspired the creation of this one? Well, uh, it started off with ba- yeah, basically just that rhythm, dum tapa dum papa boom pa boom ba pa pa, just sort of like a very basic up down guitar strumming sort of thing. Um, in G major, so you're using G, C, and D, and one, four, and five, very very basic and straightforward. And some of the best fitting melodies I feel like I come up with are the ones where you just strum and you just kind of mumbling along and coming up with different melodies and eventually something sticks so the first line often comes with that the first lyric and um out of context in a way was just do you ever get tired of the man you're becoming and i just thought that was already kind of like quite pointed and had a little bit of edge of humor to it if you know what i mean like it's one of those things that can sound slightly silly but also there's a good idea that you can draw a lyric out of there yeah definitely definitely um, this was one as well where once I got the basic lyrics down, because obviously you've just heard the demo, it has lyrics, um, but it was a case of like going back and I still, at this point when we're recording, I still am thinking, do I do something with the song? Do I not? Because the lyrics are a little unfinished. So there's a lot of ways you can go with the lyrics. With the first verse, do you ever get tired of the man you're becoming? And then you could say, when you wake up in the morning and your mind starts running, I think that's what I'm going to change it to. But, um, you know, you have lyrics like when you wake up in the morning, you can't say nothing or that sort of thing. Uh, It's like painting the right picture with very few words because you only get like two stanzas to actually say anything of of uh, information, emotional information in the song. So you got to pick your words carefully when you don't have many. (laughs) I mean, like they're, they're both strong options for that one. But I love like some of the little aphorisms in this one and some of the little ideas that just because of the speed of the melody, they go by quite quickly and you go. Wait, what did he just say? Come on, rewind. <laughs> yeah, I think it comes a little bit from, like, rap, because, like, rap is so syllable, like, packed full of syllables. And I listen to a lot of rap where they have alliteration and then, like, rhymes within rhymes. So, like, you'll have halfway through a line, you'll have a rhyme, and then you'll also have a rhyme at the end of the line, and then matching it with the stanza below it. I think that's kind of something I experimented with here. I mean, it works quite well. It sort of brings a... It's it's a little bit of ear candy. Like, I I just kind of like the idea that it paints a picture of, like, a mind just running over thoughts that's run over a load of times, and then, like, it it knows where it's going and it's leading itself down these rapid paths. And then that's countered with that very simple... Somebody says she put a whammy on me. Or, like, somebody's put a whammy on me. It's, like, a really nice, simple resolve to... uh, the sort of rapid fire, uh, the rapid fire verses. I've said about another song earlier in the run that if you have a really dense verse, it can be beneficial to have a more spaced, uh, you know, spacious chorus with like less lines and less condensed lyrics. So I think this is kind of an example of that, you know, because you always know you're going to end up at that line. Maybe I could swear that somebody put a whammy on me because you know that's coming. So it almost allows you to kind of put that aside in your mind and just kind of listen to what the actual words are saying in the verses. Yeah, you sort of because you know where you're going, that sort of enables you to have a bit more fun with the with the stanzas. Uh this is quite a simple song chordally. Am I correct in saying it's one, four and five? I think that's it. Yeah, I think it. that's it. Um 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's even like, because my, my go-to with this type of thing would be to go to a major two being a seven in this instance, but I didn't. I think it literally is just G, C, and D. I think it's to the song's credit that it doesn't have many chords. I think if it did, it would be a bit like, why are you adding in more chords that aren't needed sort of thing? Does, does that make sense? It does, yeah. Partially because we're going to re- return to this relatively shortly, uh, this idea. It's also kind of that thing of like, we say a lot in this show that writing simple songs with just one, four, and five isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that we don't tend to do it a lot because that's, we, we, we've got to talk about the songs. We need to put more things in there to talk about. This like just rolls around rolls along really nicely on just those chords. It's a it's a little bit of proof of that idea. I also quite like on this one you've got the um the ending section it just repeats and you've got all the uh sort of little ab libs and everything just like happening at the end. That's quite fun. Is that like uh something that you keep thinking like maybe live you could have a bit of fun with? Yeah, I, I think so. I think there's um there's definitely an element of like playing with the end of the song. Because I think so often like because I, I record most of what I write, and I think when you, you sit down and record something, there's, you know, you can kind of tense up and be a bit serious. Like, I've got to get this right. So having a good, like, 16 or 32-bar section at the end of a song that just repeats, it allows the drummer to, like, loosen up and maybe put in a couple of fills and um, the bass player to kind of, like, augment what they're playing on the on the bass line a little bit more and the vocalist to sort of put some ad-libs in. And it was basically just a way to try to loosen myself up while i'm recording um and just have more fun with the recording process i mean it comes across as well there's a lovely energy to this one and a lovely a lovely forward momentum and a lovely vibe with it i i really do quite like it i do hope you do something with this one thank you yeah i think down the road sometime i probably will um but it's again simple quarterly and simple in terms of explaining that's all i can really think to say about this one so uh what about your 13th song what are you bringing to the podcast this week? Uh, well, my one is also quite a simple song. It shares many of the same chords, three of them, in fact. <laughs> um, and it's called Power to Let You Go. And it goes like this. Enough to know that you're not there 
Coming. I forgot. I forgot. I put that on there. That's more funny. That was the power to. Sorry. That was power to let you go. Not the power to let you go. By Declan Kitchener. That was uh, your thirteenth song of this month. I'm. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Like you said before, it's quite cordially simple, but it's super, super catchy. Um, how did it all begin? Um, it began with the chords G, D, and C. Ah. As many a good song has been wanting to do. Trustworthy chords. <laughs> the Truly, the founding chords. Um, it, it just came out as like strumming that nice rhythm. Again, it's coming out of the rhythm, like do 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 and then just putting the dun dun So there's little stabs in there. It's like, I'm sure there are a million songs with this chord progression. But it doesn't matter because I'm going to write another one. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask, like, at this point in the writing process, like in February, how long had you to go until the deadline? Uh, so I wrote this song on the 27th. So there was one day to go. I mean, like, half the reason I ask is because it came out really polished, it sounds like. It sounds like every section's very sure of itself. Like, I think one of my downfalls about my songs in February was like, sometimes I was like, okay, I'll get the basic gist of it out there. But this came across as like a really polished pop song. Thank you. Um, it, it's just incredibly simple, really, is the, the trick to it. But also just knowing like the relationships between chords and G is a very easy key to work in because it works well on the piano. It works well on the guitar. It, it's a it's it's a communal key, one might say, <laughs> if I wanted to sound like a pretentious it's wanker. It's the people's key. Um, it's it's the key of the people. <laughs> that might be a title. Yes. Yeah, partly the fact that you don't have to think about the relationships between chords, uh, like complex chords, means that you can just like really hone in on what different sections are. And so like you've got one decent chord sequence for the verse. Okay, repeat that. That's fine. That, that strong doesn't need anything else doing to it. The chorus is just like starts on that minor because it's not on there, the E minor. And then just an ascension to the fifth, which is the D, via the only non-diatonic chord, which is an A, which I forgot I put in there, but I needed something to go between C and D, and A happens to have a C sharp in it. But it's just function, like you need to get up to D, so therefore that chord has to go there. So you need to find a melody that works through that if that makes sense. <laughs> that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think it raises an interesting point about writing over something that is quite simplistic. Like you say, because you're focusing on those chords and you kind of know the roadmap of where those chords can take you, you can follow more, uh, sorry, focus more on the, on the vibe and the rhythm and what you want to do with the lyrics. Was that fair to say? Like, did you feel like you could focus on more what the song is about? And Yeah, it frees up that aspect of it because it's so simple. You know it works. 
like uh, that sort of stab at the end of the chorus, that means, okay, right, so have a stabby bridge, um, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, you can lead that to D and E minor, they'll both work, that's fine. Yeah, it's just focusing on the words then, which came out of the um, idea of the power to let you go, which uh, this is a song uh, to my ex-landlord. <laughs> Vaguely. It started off that way. Oh, wow. Um, Live-in landlords aren't great by nature of the fact that they're landlords that you have to live with. Um, it, it's like... What's what's a good example? It's like if you're an adult and you have to move back home for a while with your parents, uh, but you have to work entirely to their schedules except you're paying for the privilege of it. And just like little things, like uh, I noticed I was getting scratches on my legs and I was working at, trying to work out where have they come from. They were coming from like uh, like door hinges and things and like uh, there's like a loose spring on the bed uh, that wouldn't get fixed. So I was getting little marks there and like uh, things like, you know, being suddenly I didn't have a parking spot. Suddenly I have this rule to contend with out of nowhere that's not in a contract. Suddenly I have X, Y and Z. And just to be free of that is quite nice. Um, well, not free of landlords, because I have a landlord at the moment. I am still renting. But, like, being free of having to see the person every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, I bet I bet that was, like, a, a huge... Because I know you said you had a lot of nerves around the move itself, but that must have been a huge thing of, like, I'm, I've been in this phase of my renting life with this living landlord... And now I'm kind of spreading my wings and, and going somewhere else where I can be more independent and not work to somebody else's schedule. That must have been a huge feeling, you know. Yeah, it's nice not to feel that you were walking on eggshells the entire time. But, yeah, it started off as that way. Then I realised this sounds like a breakup song. Sod it, let's write a breakup song then. <laughs> so halfway through, it sort of changed over slightly. Well, this is an interesting thing. You've done this You've done this quite a few times this season where you've you've started writing about something ultra specific to you and then realised, hang on, this sounds like a breakup song or a love song or whatever it is. And you just go, ah, let's just go in that direction because it makes sense. Like, how has that been for you? Is that kind of been like a kind of uh, because of time constraints or is that sort of like a move that you're doing with your writing generally? I mean, it's one way of dealing with complex feelings uh, or complex emotions in like a in a safe and disposable way. The only trouble is I can't play any of these songs in front of the people that they're in front of because they'll hear bits of it and think, that's specific to me. And then they'll hear the rest of it and go like, <laughs> um, do you have some things you want to share? No, that bit's made up, I swear. <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully your landlord isn't a uh, patron of this podcast. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that would be a turn-up for the books. Ex-landlord. <laughs> but, yeah, I've, I've, I've come to realise that my favourite songs that I write are the songs where I'm the most honest and it's finding ways of faking being honest um, <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> I think I get you but that's interesting I feel like I could learn a thing or two from that what do you mean well like songs like for example uh not you hear from one of the previous uh runs where I sort of just incredibly honest about my insecurities or like um like Anchor, where I sort of wrote a song about being terrible at making decisions and terrible at just pulling my, my bloody finger out and getting things done. Like, they're difficult to write, but I really like them afterwards if I just let myself sound stupid and honest. 
and it's trying to write enough songs that have that spark of honesty in them, even if I veer off wildly differently and write something else. Because the kernel of truth is still in there from the beginning of the process, right? Exactly, yeah. And seeing as, like, particularly with this one, it's a pop song, so therefore it's got to sound like a love song. That's the rules. <laughs> I don't make them. Um, so in, a, in, in this context, I feel it's more acceptable, if that makes sense. I mean, also, like, we're so used to turning on the radio and hearing love songs, relationship songs, that even if a song isn't about that, in the traditional sense, we'll still put those you know, preconceptions onto it. Well, famously, everyone thinks that everyone, every breath you take is like this heartfelt romantic thing. It's about a stalker. Sting has said multiple times, it's about a stalker. <laughs> and yet it still gets played at weddings. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? So crazy. But uh, what was I going to say? Uh, any plans to do anything with this one? I, I don't know. I'd like to. But I'm, I just want to find the right group of people to do it with, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Well, I would love... Okay, I'd, okay. <laughs> I would like to be part of that group, but that group happens. No, you're excluded. Ha, 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 ha. It's like going the Simpsons. They, I'll go up to the treehouse and they go, Sorry, Roger. No, Rogers. <laughs> but Roger Waters is in there. <laughs> yeah, we're allowed to have one. <laughs> Although, to be fair, if you get to work with Roger Waters, I, I understand if he's the preference. <laughs> no, no, I'll just be sat in the studio with him. It's like, Roger Waters, mate, I know you're in Pink Floyd. I know you've like done all this amazing stuff. But I want my mate to be on this project instead of you. I hope you understand. Oh, that's the sweetest thing you've ever said in the entire time I've known you. Maybe the only sweet thing. <laughs> and then we'll just laugh at, with our glasses of wine and just go, ha, 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 imagine if what I was saying was true. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine you and Roger Waters at the studio, but it's like a luxury VIP studio that's got a hot tub out the back, and you just spend all the time in the hot tub drinking champagne and just never get any work done. <laughs> it's just like clinking glasses. Gentlemen to evil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So my 14th song is called It's All Over. <laughs> get it? Ah! Because it's the 14th song out of the 14th song challenge. Ah! And it goes a little something like this. It's all over. It barely had a chance to start. It's all over. Your mind's without a change of heart. You were young. I was foolish and naive. But you must have assumed I was there 
So that was... Yeah, sorry about that bit at the end. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> That's fine. I'm keeping that in. Uh, that was Roger's 14th song, It's All Over. And it might be all over, but that was a lovely way to end it. I was singing along at full pelt amazingly i was in time and in key um uh you will never get to hear that uh <laughs> how uh, so first things first it's all over a did the title come first b was it just a reference to the fact that you've got your songs written <laughs> uh so yeah it's um it's just the phrase that i came up with um i think at this point i just written whammy the previous on my 13th song earlier that evening and you know i kind of got it in, into a good shape and i recorded a rough demo and i thought you know that that's it and still had i think uh i think three or four days to go of the challenge so i thought i'll write another one a different night so i started to relax for the evening and i picked up the guitar and i was just kind of like noodling like not trying to write at all and i had um a documentary on blur playing because i was into blur that week and uh I just paused it and um, <clears throat> started strumming basically like to myself, like a jokey version of what I thought a Blur song sounded like, if you know what I mean. And I just almost like put on an accent, like a Brit, you know, it's all over. You barely had a chance to start, you know, that kind of thing. And I just thought, I'm going to write to Damon Albert and tell him that's how you think he sounds. <laughs> Please don't. Him and the gorillas don't like me anymore. Uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah so i mean it was almost like writing a jokey or not even writing just like messing around playing this jokey chorus that's supposed to be like the brit pop sort of thing of the 90s and then i thought that's actually a pretty catchy chorus it's all over it barely had a chance to start and the melody how it rises and stuff i was like that may be a joke but it's a kind of catchy joke so i'm gonna develop it that uh, that's interesting to hear the origin of that because like uh as we were listening to it, I was saying, oh, it might sound like a bit like, you know, T-Rex Hot Love or something like that, or like those sort of glam sing-along things. Uh, Britpop did not occur to me at all, but now looking back at it, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, yeah, that that that, that is a lost Britpop song. <laughs> you cannot convince me otherwise. Yeah, I mean... I did that like influence the rest of your writing process of it? Did you continue down that Britpop vibe? Yeah, I did, to be honest with you. I mean... I'm not going to, like, front, like, this is some kind of song where I really sat down, like some of the others in, in the February Challenge, and, like, really tried to get it so it, like, expressed the right emotion and everything. The chorus came really quickly. So I got the whole chorus, and then, like, you can go in different directions with the chorus. Like, at the end, I kind of repeat it so the vocals overlap and that sort of thing. So the chorus is taken care of. And then there's almost the thing of, like, um, uh, just writing verses that just fill the gaps it reminds me of something uh todd rundgren said when someone asked him about um his big hit i saw the light and he was saying like because the verses of that song just go like it was late last night i was thinking something wasn't right and he in a later in interview he was going that's just you know writing lyrics like just to fill a gap it's just like night right light tight you white you know like it's just it's stuff that comes really easily and that was what it was for this it's like it's almost like answering that question like it's all over. What's all over? Like I'm asking myself this while I'm writing. What's all over? I don't know. Like it, like kind of like you with um with your previous song. Like it's like, what's all over? It sounds like a relationship song. Let's just kind of make it a relationship song, and I just kind of drew from experiences in the past, not with any one particular person, just like girls I've been with and 
You amalgamated all of your life yeah. into one fiction. Very person. much my magnum opus, this throwaway song. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I just, yeah, just kind of thought about the ends of relationships, you know, what that feels like. It's a place we've all been to some extent or another. And I just thought, you know, try to write about that general feeling, but also keep it lighthearted, you know. But it kind of works. Like uh, you've got like the sort of sense of melancholy to it, but it, it very much more so you've got that sort of group sing-along energy, that sort of, like, you've got a great sense of melody in this one, like a great, you said before, like, the melody rises and falls quite nicely. I think the strength of the song, if there's any strength to it, is is the it's melody. Just, it's just really pleasing. Thank you. I think once you know you've got a good melody, having that as, like, the core of the song, or the chorus of the song, um, and, like, having everything else be... I guess secondary or supportive of a good melody in the chorus that can make a good song even if the meaning isn't too deep hmm well i mean it's 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 a thing it might not be like the deepest lyrics with the most references and the most classic most classically literate things but like if it works at generating some kind of emotion it, it works like uh i'd love to see this one I always say this. I'd love to see this one live at a venue where a couple of people know it, and like whether you could get everyone singing along with it. Oh man, that would be great. Yeah, it definitely does have that sing along thing. I think for the final chorus, it might just be a case of like get a bunch of friends together and just record, like you do. You know, this is your move, really. That I'm just like nicking, but like just get a bunch of mates together and just like sing the chorus, overdub it multiple times, and just have it like be huge, like a crowd by the end. Anyway, build to that. Yeah, that would be that would be absolutely fun. And if you need someone to sing along on that one, um, please phone me up. I'll make myself free to do that. You've got it. You've got it. That, let's make that happen. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's quarterly, very simple, just sort of one, four, five. The only real thing I'll point out before we move on, at the end of the chorus, you go, um, it's all over, baby, let's go back to the start. And all that is is going four to the one. So D, A, G... E, A, and that's how you resolve. That's kind of that turnaround. But putting that G in there, I've said this before, but adding that um, that chord, uh, what is it again? Fuck, um, like the flat and seventh or something? Flat and seven, a major, yeah. Adding that in kind of adds in a bit of grit to a chord progression, I feel like, or adds in a bit of like rock and roll to something that could otherwise be quite tame. So um, that was nice to throw in. Yeah, sort of like a hint of the blues scale, but not losing like the major scale <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's it that's it a taste a taste of pentatonics a taste of pent a taste of a taste of her taste of honey but yeah that's pretty much all i can think to say for this one what about your 14th song like what, what's closing us out of the february challenge we've, we've written 28 songs collectively what's the last song we're gonna write I mean, what's the last song we're gonna listen to sorry <laughs> we're about to write it live on air well <laughs> The last song I'll ever write. Um, uh, no, the last song we're going to listen to is my 14th song. It's called Go. And uh, it goes <laughs> like this. Ooh. I never know if I should ever trust a word from you. You know it's true. And everything you say counters everything. Make me think that I 
should prove my worth to you. Uh, that was the 14th song Declan wrote in February called Go. It's great. Again, something that like, sounds like a super polished pop song. It, it's got a real attitude to it. It's almost like you're putting on a character, particularly with the choruses and stuff like that. Um, thank you. First thing I will say, I, for the second time in this month, past Declan has decided to write a song that's a little bit out of my range. Apologies, everyone. Um, I should be sure to punish past Declan the minute I get my TARDIS working. <laughs> so uh, this one actually came from a slightly odd place. Um, I, I trust the audience is familiar with the Stevie Wonder song, Higher Ground. Yes. Fantastic audience. Thank you very much. So um, I used to do a cover of this, tuned down a little bit into C minor, and I used to play around with a few shapes on that. So this sort of came out of going back to that C minor chord, playing around with that melody a little bit, but then sort of just jamming around on it a little bit and then realising, hold on, I'm actually playing something that's only got one of the chords from my out-of-key version of Higher Ground on it. Let's, let's, let's do this one then. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, now you say that. See, this is the thing. I wouldn't have thought that hadn't you said that, but now you say it. I kind of like can hear the rhythm of higher ground as like the like faint skeleton of your song, you know? Yeah, I think um higher ground the way I've hit played it had a C minor, E flat seven, and an F seven. Whereas this has a C minor, a bit of a run, straight E flat, and then F diminished with a sustain on the top and just that run really does a lot to sort of 
give it a bit of a different feel. Uh, and just the vocal falls in a slightly different place on it. That That's my excuse anyway. <laughs> just playing out of that rhythm, like starting on that thing and then realizing I'm slightly slower, in a different key, different chords, and a run. That's enough degrees of separation. Like uh, his his lawyers won't be coming after me just yet, <laughs> and a different tune if, as well. There might be patrons of this podcast, you know. Well, if you're listening, Mister Wonder, I apologise, <laughs> but why Mr. did you have Wonder. to write such a why did you have to write such a nice song? Yeah, Mister Wonder, if you are so wonderful. Why are your lawyers involved now? How dare you write such good music? You should be ashamed being that talented. Oh. (laughs) I mean, I never would have guessed it came from jamming around a detuned Stevie Wonder song. That's cool that it does, though. And then, like, the thing with the chorus uh, popping it, um, to me, sounds a bit more Naughty's Indie. With the dun 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 on the guitar shapes, which I think gives it a little rock swagger in the guitar, which sadly the vocalist cannot quite match. But bless his cotton socks, he's trying. Um, <laughs> again, that's moving mainly between chords and their relative minors in that. So that's A flat to F minor and E flat to C minor. Going to a B flat for the first time, that ending bit, and then a G7. So you've got the fifths for the major version of the scale and the fifth and the minor version of the scale there to sort of guide you into another round of the verse or back into the chorus. Uh, another round of the chorus or back into the verse. That was the bulk of it. The Like you were saying with the Todd Rundgren thing a second ago, the bridge chords are just there so that there's a bridge. It is the bit that I would happily rewrite. But uh, the thing for the lyrics came from that pause before you go back into the verse. So, like, there has to be something there. So the word go fit, and then the lyrics were extrapolated out of that. That's so cool. I like how in the following chorus after you end it with an i go you kind of have like correct me if i'm wrong a double chorus where you say an i and then you talk about what you what i is doing rather than saying go do you know what i mean or am i being weird yeah no you're correct i think in the second chorus the go doesn't happen it goes into the bridge a uh, third time through i put a go in there i probably shouldn't have the go should just be at the end on that one i think uh, nice and powerful to end the song on. That That's about as much as I can say about it in that regard. The the lyrics are entirely made up. If a song is saying go, if it's got that feel, it's kind of got to be about some sort of push-pull dynamic. Break out some bluesy vocal notes. Hope they're in my range. Go for it, lad. Um, <laughs> but also I quite like the image of like, uh, you've got me on the run tonight is quite a... Standard lyric, I'm the start and you're the finish line. Okay, you have literally got me running tonight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've literally got PE shorts on right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm literally going to ignore this starting gun. Why is this so formal? You, this relationship is weird. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, you say they're made up lyrics, but they're really effective. Like, I think you have this real way of like, even like what you just said about 
if you have a song that's like about go, you know, and it has that upbeat sort of bluesy t- uh, tempo to it, you said there should be a push-pull dynamic. Like that kind of stuff doesn't even cross my mind, but that probably informs the whole way that you approach even a more fictionalized narrative in a song. Would that be fair to say? Yes. <laughs> well, some... Tune in next week on the Weekly Song Podcast. <laughs> no, but some songs have moods, you know, like, uh, and you've got to write to that mood. Like, uh, I remember a while ago we had um, All the Other Fellas, like the 50s rock and roll song. So even though I was having to, mm, that was yeah, cool even though I was having to write it a little subversively, man, love and communism, what a combination. Uh, <laughs> but still writing within the confines of the style that's expected. This is kind of the same for this one. Like, I, I've written a few, like, dynamics like that within songs in this run. So I was kind of in that space anyway, but it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm good at this now. I know what needs to happen. I've got a chorus that's strong, doesn't need anything to directly lead into it, but it does need like suggestive ideas uh, to sort of prop each of them up. At what point in the lyrics did you start to think like, I'll go for the whole like starting gun and the finish line and everything whole like uh, imagery. Uh, Was that like quite early on? You thought, right, okay, go, that all makes sense. Was that quite late? The chorus came first. Okay, right. So that was all quite established. Yeah, because once I had the word go, I realised I've got to be going somewhere, so that implies movement. You got me on the run tonight. Okay, uh, that's a bit dull. Why am I running? Okay, I'm running to like a potential lover or something. I'm the start and you're the finish line. Okay, bang, done. Mm. It took a little more time than that, but that was the basic process. That's just basically the way you write songs on the weekly song podcast. I, you know, you think, girl, you race and you've got your start. You know, it takes about five minutes over a cup of tea. It's easy. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I, were, if I were writing another one now and I said steer, then, like, that would imply no movements. So, like, I'd write a song about being frozen in carbonite and then I'd have to put in a bit about carbon sickness. So you just write another line about that. The rhymes don't matter that much, but just so much as you get the intent. <laughs> the public love songs about... About carbon sickness just they'll laugh it up <laughs> <laughs> oh man no it's 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 a great song it's a great song and uh i i know we always say this but please do do something with it because it, it needs to be this may be one actually that i i've got a few options now of songs that i want to suggest that we record a, a an ep in a day with and go might be my choice but there's so many good ones to choose from over this season if uh if it is we're either detuning the guitars or you're singing it. I will say that right now. One or other of yeah, these okay. things is going to happen. <laughs> okay. What have you been listening to lately? Knowing you, you've been listening to like sort of 12 albums a day. I've been listening to, what's this thing that the humans call? Music. I've been doing that. Tell you what I did do, uh, which was kind of exciting, mm. was uh, I went to the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> that was a Ooh. lot of fun. I say, uh, oh, as if I don't, I don't know this. Yeah, what was it like? It was a lot of fun. I went to the dress rehearsal, so it's a show they do before the live show in the evening. I think that's where uh, the judges sort of take their notes from and they get their uh, scores from. Uh, it was a lot of fun seeing a lot of that live. Like normally, when I on on the few times that I've seen Eurovision before, I'm one of those people who doesn't tend to go much for the gimmicky songs. Like I tend to sort of approach the more the more it sounds like just like a good pop song or a good ballad or a good, you know, in inverted commas, a real serious song. That's what I tend to like more. 
Um, mm. And I was feeling that way of some of the entries, like Cha 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 is kind of gimmicky in the extreme, and I wasn't really into it listening to it on the radio. But like live in the uh, live in the theatre, that was that that went. And, and I went with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there were, some, there were some bangers from that show. Like Evidemont, I think, is my favourite song. I don't think the performance was the best, but like Evidemont can, compositionally is my favourite song. Solo, bangs. Queen of, King, uh, Queen of Kings, bangs. Um, Edgar Allan Poe, stupid. Uh, who the hell is Edgar? Um, it's stupid, but I love it. What's the Italian one? Uh, Dua Vita. Um, I quite like that one, but that might have been because the guy was quite cute who was singing it. Um, so I'm not sure what I was reacting to there. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, if ever it's being hosted in your home country, I recommend you go. It's 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 good. One out of one. Much enjoy. Uh, what else have I been listening to? Duran Jones, Wait Till I Get Over. I quite enjoyed that. Louis Cole, uh, some unused songs. It's kind of like, it sounds like a load of like rough versions of things from the most recent album and like a couple of other things. It's it's, it's over very quickly, but it's interesting hearing some of it. Must be, yeah, it must be interesting hearing the, I'm guessing, more bare bones version of songs you're familiar with. Well, mostly instrumental as well. Okay, okay. Which is uh, interesting, interesting to hear. And you're seeing him uh, live later this month, right? Yes, on Thursday I should be seeing him live in Bristol, which I'm going to be very excited for. Quality over opinion. Just that made my winter. I listened to that album so, so much. Um, uh, Everyone is probably, everyone I know is probably sick of me talking about him, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, As for... Anything else I listened to more recently? Um, uh, some stuff that's been okay. The one I quite enjoyed though was "Wake Up and It's Over" by Lovejoy. I think it's only it's only what twenty five minutes, half an hour long, six songs. Uh, but it's kind of like a bit indie, bit guitarish, a little bit heavy, but like not not heavy, heavy. If that makes heavy sense. Heavy indie. Like some nice tones and textures. Heavy indie. Yeah, I I quite like it. That sounds good. Yeah, you have to send me um, a link uh, to a couple of singles or something from that one, or from all of those. So I'd like to hear some stuff. Sure thing. Uh, what uh, What have you been listening to, Roger? Well, uh, the most recent thing I listened to all the way through was one of your uh, suggestions. I listened to Lindsay Lomas's Universe EP. Yes. What did you make of it? I really liked it. Um, I was um, I was editing the podcast and I. I knew I'd make a mental note to like check out because I knew there was something you said, Roger, you will like this. And I was like, hmm. So I, I checked it out. And it, again, like you were just saying with the uh, Louis Cole thing, it was a short listen. It was like a coffee break at work for me. And I just listened to the whole thing in one go. And I just loved it. It was, um, it's this weird mix. I thought it might be your cup of tea. It's this really cool mixture of like, the songs were obviously like written, like they've got chord changes and bridges, and like it all like really flows well. I love the way you say the songs were obviously written, as if some songs just like spring up fully formed <laughs> out of nowhere. You know what I mean, though. Like sometimes with like, oh, this one's an actually a Kieran song. <laughs> just found it in the bush. <laughs> it's like the Northern Lights or something. Just these sort of things happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but the reason I say that is because like the way it's produced, I mean, as if you don't already know, but for those listening who don't, haven't heard it it's like quite synthetic but mixed with like some acoustic elements and it's like it's obviously like 
uh, you know, either either Lindsay herself or or Lindsay and a producer or a producer has sat down and like really sculpted this in a in a door, like in a digital audio workstation. But I don't know, it's a nice mixture of like organic and synthetic and quarterly. Very, very interesting. And just just cool all round. It really like hooks your ear. Well there we go. I I'm quite glad that you've enjoyed that. Like uh I I've uh every now and then I do come across something uh that I think one of my mates would like. And it's the thing of like, if this goes wrong and I think and I think that you like it and you don't then you will never trust anything I ever say again. <laughs> That's the risk. That's the risk. I mean, we've known each other for long enough now where, like, you'll say, check this out. I will just, I'll check out anything, you know, but I know what you mean because I have that with friends too where I'm like, you'll love this. Like, particularly when you go, you will love this album because I think I know how you enjoy music. And then the person goes, I don't really like that. That wasn't really my thing. You're like, oh, God, <laughs> I got it wrong. And they're not going to, you know, because then you lose your, like, legitimacy or something i don't know it's all in our heads yeah. you go to, you go down one degree yeah, <laughs> um but other than the um universe cp i've been listening to um one of my favorite albums of all time um i go back to it every few months and just like get obsessed with it is can't buy a thrill by steely dan the first album by steely dan this is great I have yet to listen to that one. You have spoken about that one for years and years and years and years and years, and I've never found a cheap enough version of it, sadly. Really, in the years. Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, now you're on Tidal. No excuses, you know? It's, oh, damn, you you're right, aren't you? <laughs> Although, actually, this this is one of those things. I don't want to go, hey, you know, Declan, you'll enjoy Steely Dan's Can't Buy a Thrill, and you listen to it, because here's the thing with Steely Dan. Some people like me listen to it and they go, it's it's awesome. It's like studio magic. Everything's like an experiment. Every, every single song is like genrely a bit different and engineered a little bit different. It's just so interesting. Whereas some people go, it's it's like um, too polished. It's like um, not enough rawness to the music and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it's like Marmite musically. Well, I've downloaded it onto my phone. So... We shall see whether we end uh, our friendship over this album recommendation. Tune in next week, folks. <laughs> yeah. If I'm still here, then you know Roger knows my taste in music. Although, if just one of us but opens I, I, the show I, next week. Hi, I'm Roger. Welcome to Bleakly Song Podcast. I'm joined by Loneliness. <laughs> then we'll have to have two offshoots of the Weekly Song Podcast and fight for legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> one of us will have to spell weekly with two threes just to avoid a lawsuit. <laughs> So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you've uh, got anything that you'd like to say about any of the songs or any of the ideas, why not write in to weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com uh, and let us know your thoughts, feelings and opinions on all of those. Um, if you want to follow us online, uh, you can find us at Weekly Song Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I believe there are also a couple of things on uh, YouTube if you search Weekly Song Podcast as well. And there is a Facebook page as well for that uh please do tune in next time for our schnookums special where we discuss the album that we've made together that's going to be so much fun i'm really going to enjoy it i don't know why i'm speaking like this but it's a thing and i'm going to continue it roger where can people find your music not our music but your music out in the internet well mister um 
Uh, you can find it on uh, <laughs> Bandcamp, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, Tidal, all the streaming services by searching Roger Heathers. I will also give a little plug to Pea Green Boat, um, which is a collaborative project I have uh, been doing with my friend Joe O'Neill for some time. He's a great vocalist and lyricist and like amazing harm. He's like the he's like a harmony writer who, if he was around in the 70s, he would have been like widely renowned as like a guy who does like incredible harmony vocals and we got an album coming out in june anyway so uh, check out the album, album, on those album, places too. new album new album new album new album equally i'm excited i know we've just spoken about it but i am genuinely excited we've got an album declan and i we've got an album coming out uh very soon like have we actually announced it yet like when we're releasing it uh no should we do that now yeah, why not? It's next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> It'll be on the 2nd of June uh, to tie in with the podcast. You can listen to us uh, talk about the album and how proud we are of it and then go and listen to the album yourself and think, really? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but it should, it should be good because like, I feel like we've been in the process of making the album for so long now. Just in terms of like getting the artwork together and mixing and everything, it would be nice to like sit down and like just discuss because it was a very 50 50 process of like we played the parts and like wrote half the songs each and collaborated like in the room on one particular song and i I shall say right now that it was a 50 50 process during the recording of it despite the fact that it was roger's computer that he was recording on and roger has done most of the mixing and the mastering and the artwork and has handled most of the more technical side of it other than that it's a 50 50 (laughs) endeavor well you say that but we it's not like I just kind of like sent you the mix and I was like, hey, this is it. Don't even tell me. It's like we we both mixed it. We were both like, oh, change this. And, you know, you know it's 50-50. I just happen to own a personal computer. That's all. Yeah. Whereas I have to borrow my friend. No. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm really excited for that to come out. You've got a Palm Pilot. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, we're getting silly now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be going to be good fun. I'm- Yes, I think this is time to to wrap up. But yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Ta-ra! Ta-ra!